Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Soprano. Or should I say aloha, because we're joined by Luke Bennett. Luke is the superintendent at Kohana Iki, a Reese Jones-designed golf course on Hawaii's Big Island. Luke is going to discuss his career journey from working on golf courses in Colorado and California to becoming a superintendent in Hawaii. And he's also going to describe what the day-to-day life is like on the Big Island and what are some of the common maintenance practices and philosophies he implements on the job. We're glad that Luke was able to join us. There's a six-hour time difference between the Big Island and our recording studios here at the GCI headquarters. So logistically, it was fun setting this up. Aloha, Luke. It's great to catch up with you. I know we had a chance to meet in person in March. It's good to speak on the phone despite this vast time difference. Uh, Thanks for joining the podcast. Describe Kohanaiki for somebody that doesn't know a lot about the golf course in the community or who maybe has never heard of it. Well, aloha, guy. Uh, I'm going to talk to you, too, again. And, um, yeah, Kohanaiki, it's a special place. Not just the golf course. It's uh, the golf course is certainly our, our number one amenity. But you know, we we as a group, I think, try to describe it as a place to experience special connections to the island. We have a fantastic uh, membership and and community here where we're, we're trying to build. Uh, but we also have a, a real close connection uh, to the ocean. Um, we have a real close connection to a lot of the historical value of the property as well as the community that used to live here in the past and uh really it just provides a different experience compared to some of these other these other private clubs in the area which primarily focus on just just golf so it's a a really cool place to come and kind of get a real good connection to all those different points uh in one place your 10th hole plays over a community garden which is something i've never ever seen luke what is it like maintaining a, a hole like that where you know that there's some food just left of the tee box? Yeah, it's, it's an amazing little feature. I think, uh, I think that's something that a lot of uh, properties try to incorporate into their kitchen experience. Uh, certainly chefs always want to have that sort of local garden, but to actually go ahead and put that uh, off of a tee box and have that uh, presentable in the way that we do, it's special. So for our farmer that for, that takes care of it, it's, it's kind of a dream job. And, uh, you know, not only is it uh, producing fruit and vegetables and herbs and all kinds of other things, flowers, it's, uh, it's aesthetic as well. So he's kind of got his own little bonsai garden going on down there with all the fruits and, and everything. And it's, it's right there in, in, in front of you when you're playing the hole. So uh, kudos to him for taking care of it. We're recording this podcast in late June. What What is summer like on the Big Island, and do you get a lot of differences between the, the seasons in your climate, or is it kind of the same thing, 365? Well, I think that's a loaded question. I mean, I think it's certainly very similar to what the mainland is, is like in the summertime. Um, you know, increased temperature, longer days, uh, different growth rates on your turf. Um, chance of natural disaster, you know, uh, hurricane season, things like that. Um, a little bit different in California, Colorado, West Coast, East Coast. Um, but very similar in the sense that it's uh, longer days and a little bit harder work and uh, a little warmer outside. We get a little bit more humidity, but um, 
Uh, overall, I would say the temperature goes up about five degrees, and the heat index goes up about five degrees, and uh, uh, the humidity really kind of kicks in and just makes it a little bit more uncomfortable, but uh, certainly a lot more pleasant out here in the wintertime. You're in an environment where the grass is growing every day of the year, or it's capable of growing every day of the of the year what is it like managing a staff and pacing yourself when there's so much to do on a day-to-day basis yeah it's fun um it kind of keeps things consistent but at at times it can kind of uh it can kind of burn you out just because you're you're constantly doing the same thing so we we try to find ways to switch it up um i think how we become successful at it is we just create achievable goals Uh, we know in the in the industry you're always going to have more to do but it's even more so kind of out here on the island so um we just really try to set achievable goals and and as long as we can get those goals met and you know follow up the next day and if we miss something we try to make it up and um i think for us the pace out here is set by uh how many people we have staying on property and and the ebbs and flows of people coming to the island and leaving so we kind of have these peaks and valleys that allow us to ramp up and really get the place uh, fine-tuned so when we have some high occupancy um, we're ready to go and then when everybody leaves we kind of ramp down and um, find time to uh, spend time with our families and and with each other and just kind of relax a little bit and then get ready for the for the next peak. Luke is it like a Coachella Valley situation where a lot of snowbirds come in or are you pretty steady year-round with when you're when your um, members visit the golf course? Yeah, no, it's very, very snowbird. Um, you know, we have a peak, peak season from about November 1st through February where, uh, you know, we have a very large population of people on the island, and they stay for weeks at a time. At Kwaniiki, we're a very family-oriented uh, club where uh, a lot of our busy time comes when the kids are away from school. So whether it's uh, summertime, 4th of July, spring break, uh, winter break. Uh, that's typically when we'll see uh, the most people out here on our property, and um, it's pretty easy to plan for that, uh, which is nice. You've been on the Big Island now for three years. Explain your route to becoming a golf course superintendent, and how did you end up in Hawaii? Yeah, great question. Um, worked really hard. I don't. I don't really think I ever knew that I was going to be in the golf course business especially on the turf side, but uh, I happened to, you know, work next to a country club when I was in uh, high school and kind of got my first job there and um, took it from there. You know, just worked really hard. Always had a really, really strong work ethic, and I think that helped me get some great opportunities, and and uh, I never let anybody down, and then I networked really hard as well. So um, all of that really just led to me uh, moving west from, uh, Colorado to California, and then from California to Hawaii, and uh, just really took the opportunities that were presented to me and tried not to look backwards and, and move forward, and um, so far it's worked out really well. Was it a goal of yours to get to Hawaii or the, the Big Island, or is it just kind of uh, really things really played out in your favor? Like, could someone in this business that's coming through turf school say, hey, I want to become a superintendent in Hawaii? Is that a realistic goal? Explain how that happened for you. Well, I think if I was talking to a turf student right now and they they asked me what's the most important thing to becoming successful in the business, I would say be very flexible to taking opportunities um, anywhere they arise. Uh, I think everybody would love to be a superintendent in their hometown and 
stay near friends and family, and a lot of people choose to do that. Uh, but I think you're going to move up faster in this business, and you're going to challenge yourself a lot more if you're willing to step outside of your regular network, um, get outside of your own state. And um, so I really just took the opportunities as they presented themselves to me. And, you know, a lot of times guys will turn down jobs because uh, – because of that reason, they don't they don't want to move or they don't want to they don't want to put themselves in an uncomfortable position. So, um, at the same time, Hawaii's not a bad place to live, right? And I think a lot of people, I think it's very attractive uh, to a lot of people to, to get a job out here. Um, I think I just got lucky in the sense that I ended up here, uh, but I also feel like I worked really hard for that opportunity. When did it hit you that you're living in Hawaii and just not visiting it, or has it or has it hit you at even? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think it hit me the first day I was here, and then I think I buried myself in my work for about, uh, I'd say, at least 90 days, and then I think I snapped out of it. So it took about three months to kind of realize. Um, I think once I started doing things that I like to do outside of work, which is, you know, you know, going camping and uh, going to the beach and watching the sunsets and having those little tiffany moments where you're kind of staring out into the ocean and realize there's, there's nothing connecting you to the mainland except... Uh, you know, 25, 2,000 miles of ocean. Um, it's a pretty surreal experience to kind of have that click and understand that uh, you're in the middle of nowhere. So, What's the biggest difference between living in a place like Hawaii compared to visiting a place like Hawaii? I know that when I walked into the grocery, grocery store there, that, that was quite shocking. Yeah, I, I, think, I think certainly costs for some people. Um, coming from California wasn't quite as much sticker shock. Um, I used to visit... Hawaii quite a bit when I was living on the West Coast just because it's um, pretty affordable. That You know, the airfare is good, and it's really not that long of a flight. And Hawaii was a great place to me then. And in, and when I moved here, um, what blew me away was just the sense of community. Um, it's something very easy to overlook when you're just visiting. Uh, but once you start living here and understanding how, how people operate here and how families interact with each other, how everybody knows each other, um, everybody's connection to the land and connection to the ocean. Uh, it's pretty special. So uh, something that I would encourage anybody that's visiting to try to kind of get a sense of that, um, it's pretty special. What is it like being three or four or six hours behind a lot of your family members and friends? And what is it like being three, four, and six hours behind a, what's happening in the, the golf world in the on the mainland. If you're not the type of person that turns their phone off, uh, be prepared to get text messages and phone calls at 3.30 in the morning um, almost every day. <laughs> I can tell you that much. And uh, if you're a sports fan, um, that will certainly rattle things. Uh, you know, you got to get up early to, to watch uh, a lot of the sporting events, so that's, that's a big deal. But, you know, you, you get used to it just like anything else. Um, just kind of plan your day and plan your phone calls. Uh, you know, certainly, if I had relatives on the on the uh, on the East Coast, that would make it pretty challenging to find time to kind of just even catch up with them on the phone. So, um, but yeah, it's just something you get used to. Yeah, speaking of planning and logistics, what is it like uh, planning your agronomic programs and practices, and what is it like for you trying to get the supplies that you need when you do to do those practices? Surprisingly. Uh, it's not as big of a challenge as, as you think. Um, I, I think you, lead time is certainly 
something you got to think about with certain certain items. You try to plan a little bit more ahead with your vendors as far as um, getting the types of materials that you need because you're always talking about a two-week uh, barge trip um, in some cases. But for the most part, everything is at our fingertips here. Our suppliers um, certainly do a fantastic job, and, and they're all right here. On the Big Island, I've got most of my major suppliers are right across the street. The interesting thing is it's, it's all the little things that you can't get out here. Uh, the knick-knack uh, specialty items that, that maybe aren't on the shelf or, or that accessible. So a lot of Amazon Prime um, and a lot of their uh, type of uh, shipping and things like that that kind of bridge the gap between um, getting all those little things that you need. How tough is your environment on golf course maintenance essentials such as an irrigation system and equipment. Obviously, the grasses are growing frequently and very aggressively. How, how does that tax some of the equipment that you have? I've never seen anything like it. I, I know that uh, superintendents in, in Florida have a challenge with it. Um, on the West Coast, uh, some of the coastal courses, I know they think they have a challenge, but whatever's going on out here in the, in the ocean, the salt content, um, you know, the humidity, the uh, intensity of the sun, it's, uh, it puts a 50% shelf life on almost everything we have, I would say. Um, irrigation components, um, equipment, if it's not stored properly indoors, and even climate controlled, um, you know, you can see your reels rust overnight. Um, there's all kinds of different things that we have to do to kind of stay on top of it. And uh, it's a huge challenge i don't think anybody has it figured out that's for sure what's something you do culturally or agronomically on a golf course in hawaii that you would not have done when you worked on the mainland well because we have past foul and we basically irrigate with seawater which is uh pretty much drives everything that we do out here um and the interesting thing is it's actually a benefit uh to the to the turf species so if we weren't applying with uh fairly um I don't want to call it unclean water. I mean, it's, it's just high in salts. Uh, we would actually have more problems if we were irrigating with fresh water. So it's just a different environment, and it's uh, a new grass species that's really taking off on this island especially. And I think to keep up with it, um, you really have to get aggressive with it. So it takes us about a month to cultivate our golf course twice a year so you know one month in september and one month in may um and i think most of the time mainland guys uh cool season guys you know they're used to getting everything done in a week or two weeks and it you know it sometimes it can stretch out for us even farther than a month what are the people like you work with you kind of alluded to them earlier in the podcast we've discussed them in some of the articles we've done here at gci but what what are the people like how would you describe your crew to somebody that doesn't know a lot about native hawaiians um, it's just a melting pot. So many different people from so many different places all living together, small community. So everybody is uh, so different but but very, very similar. And um, everybody treats each other with great respect. And uh, But you also kind of have uh, communities within communities. And then um, that, that makes it very interesting uh, to, to kind of see how that all plays out. Um, for us on the big island, it's, it's just, it is the little big island. It's not, it's not a very big place. So, um, 
you know, everybody knows each other, and uh, but everybody's got their own little pockets community as well. What's the labor situation like? Uh, tough to find people or easy to find people? Uh, very difficult to find people, um, but mostly due to unemployment rates. We have about a 2% un- unemployment rate here, which is, uh, you know, a good thing. And then it's also difficult to find people because everybody knows each other. So if you kind of have a bad reputation or you haven't really followed through at your last job, someone probably knows you when you're applying for your next job. And so we have to vet employees um, pretty aggressively. And, and a lot of times we, uh, we kind of just say thanks but no thanks, even though we really need someone to, to fill that position. Um, you really have to stay patient and, and find the right person um, because really keeping people and, and retention is the, is the number one goal. Hawaii is probably the most environmentally sensitive place I've been. How do you balance what you need to do on the golf course with creating uh, habitats for the, the native wildlife and species? I think just the connection between the golf course and the proximity to the ocean really just sets the tone. I mean, it's, it's, it's right in front of you every day. Uh, um, you know, I think, I think for those that are a little farther up the hill, maybe that connection isn't quite as strong. Um, you know, we have quite a bit of, of wildlife here that we, you know, interact with every day. And, uh, it, it really kind of just reminds you, Hey, you're, you know, we're, we're the visitors here. And, um, you know, it, it, it almost forces you into the responsibility. Um, but we're also very committed to it from a community standpoint and, and from our club standpoint, it's, it's, um, it's at the, the top of the list. So we just, we know we wouldn't be here if, if we weren't taking care of the land. So we put it as our number one priority. Does it ever get old staring at the ocean? It does. It's very distracting. What do you mean by very distracting? Like, do you ever find yourself just kind of pausing for a few minutes when you're, you're out there to re- reflect and think about where you are? A hundred percent. And it's not just myself. Uh, you know, you catch the employees staring off into the ocean as well. And um, it's not something you can run over there and tell them to knock it off. You just kind of let them have their moment. And then let them get on their way. And uh, I think I think we all get caught out there, just kind of staring off into the ocean from time to time. Especially when there's some big swell, or you know, there's something special going on. Um, it's it's always a, a great opportunity to just kind of take a breather and, and enjoy it. Is it ever tough to motivate yourself to go to work in the morning when it's so nice out? No, it's not. No. Is it ever tough to motivate your crew to come to work when it's really nice out? Yes. Uh, that, that, that is. <laughs> That is certainly something we think about. Um, I try to ask everybody I hire, uh, you know, get to know them a little bit, and um, I always ask them if they surf. That way I know what I'm getting myself into. (laughs) What about your colleagues in the golf industry? You guys have a nice, tight-knit group of superintendents that truly look out for each other. What, What is that aspect of industry life on the Big Island like? Uh, you, you can't get away from it. Um, you know, before I even uh, moved out here, I actually uh, played golf with the superintendent, Scott Main, who was at Mauna Kea at the time. Um, I met him at the golf industry show, and um, a few months later, I got the opportunity to come and work here, and uh, immediately, you know, had that connection, and then uh, I think I was on the board of directors for our association within six months, and I think I was the vice president within nine months, and um, there's uh, 
a good responsibility for a small group of us to um, keep this network tight and uh, get everybody together. And um, it's a pretty special association uh, considering how small it is and how, how few golf courses we have here. Um, we're very active, um, but we're also very isolated from the, the state chapter. Um, uh, so that makes it challenging as well. Getting local chapters together is not as easy as, you know, the five chapters in California. So we really just try to keep it active on our island as much as possible. Yeah, how, how important is that network to what you do? I mean, sometimes you guys are sharing equipment or maybe someone's visiting somebody else's golf course to get another set of eyes on things. When you're kind of isolated like you guys are, how important is it to have those relationships? Yeah, really important. I think, I think you touched on the supply uh, the supply part of things, and, um, you know, certainly if you don't have something and, and you know it's two weeks out, well, you're going to be looking over to your neighbor pretty quick. And, uh, you know, we all build that bridge uh, and uh, keep it open because uh, it doesn't matter whether you're on the private side or the municipal side or you're a, a resort course. Um, we all need it when we need it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, strategic planning um, as far as, supplies as well and materials i think sand is a big issue and i've seen uh multiple golf courses sort of uh come up with renovation um plans together so that they can keep the cost down and uh you know there's certainly ways of uh helping each other out that not only benefit individual clubs but just just benefit the community the golf course community as a whole okay luke a few more hawaiian theme questions here do you play more golf now that you're in hawaii than you did on on the mainland? <laughs> well, that's also a loaded question. Um, I used to play a lot more golf when I was an assistant superintendent. Let's just put it that way. That's a great answer. Uh, what's the coolest animal you've seen? Coolest animal that I've seen. I mean, I just love sea turtles, but uh, you pretty you see some pretty amazing fish, and I, I wish I knew the names of, of all the fish I've seen, but uh, I'm pretty active snorkeler, so... Um, I think once you're in the ocean, you're in that clear water, and you get to see that everything that's going on underneath the underneath the waves. That's uh, that's the best place to be. So fish out here are just amazing. What's your favorite thing to eat that is a Hawaiian type dish? Another fantastic question. Um, I really go after the poke. I think everybody out here is a huge poke fan. Uh, so the ahi tuna is just uh, it's as fresh as you can possibly get it. Um, you know, the fishermen literally take it to the to the back entrance of most of these restaurants and uh it's always there and it's always it's always top notch so you can't beat it you surfer kayaker jet ski yeah i do a little bit of surfing not very good at it that's for sure um believe it or not jet skiing is not a big thing out here and uh i would say you know for the most part um just going to the beach and relaxing is kind of my thing but um certainly like to snorkel and then uh you know i tend to surf when i uh when i have company coming to town because that's something everybody wants to do what is the hawaiian term you use the most besides aloha and what does that term mean oh aloha means so many different things uh you know it's it's hello it's it's goodbye it's it's love it's um feeling it's i i can't define it because i haven't lived here long enough to experience it um as much as a lot of other people that really understand it but uh generally just uh just a word that everybody uses to greet each other and express just, um, you know, positive, positive thoughts and positive attitudes. So, um, you know, I think saying mahalo and, and thank you and showing 
appreciation is extremely important as well. And I think the other the other thing that I've noticed is, is people in Hawaii are very good at saying hello to everyone in the room, and they're also very good at saying goodbye to everyone in the room before they leave. You obviously took a big personal step moving from the mainland to go to the, the big island. You can't bring all your friends and family along. What have, what have you learned about yourself through this uh, journey the last three years? Yeah, I've learned that uh, certainly uh, being isolated from friends and family is, is, is okay. I think, um, you know, I've, I've learned to kind of distance myself from the people that, that I love um, and have been okay with it. And I've learned to uh, open up to another community and, and fill those gaps with, with people here on the island. But um, I think the fantastic thing about living here is that it's a very desirable place to visit. And uh, I do see a lot of friends and family come through um, pretty consistently. So um, I'm surprised how my network has continued from California to here. It's, it's, it's still very interconnected, and, and to be honest with you, it doesn't, it doesn't make it feel so, doesn't make me feel so isolated. So, Well, Luke, it was great to, to catch up with you. Thanks for joining the podcast, and hopefully everyone at Kohaniiki has an awesome summer. Yeah, guy, I appreciate it. Everybody says hello from Kohaniiki, and uh, look forward to it next time you come back. Hopefully that time soon. We'd love to have you.